Welcome to Eternity Now. I'm Senior Pastor and Evangelist Kyle Huckins. We're a U.S.-based church and evangelism movement reaching every color and culture for Christ. Our podcasts, videos, doctrine, history, and much more are on our website, www.eternitynow.com, E-T-E-R-N-I-T-Y-N-O-W.com. This broadcast is made possible by your tax-deductible giving. A gift of $25 a month gets the gospel to 10000 in a year, just three cents a soul. Go to EternityNow.com and click Support Us for more. Thanks for listening. Now for one of my recent messages. We live in a society where people who say they're against racism judge people on the color of their skin. Children rule their parents. Schools exist to make students happy. And God comes last. All of that is utter foolishness, immorality, and self-destruction. At this rate, our country and globe will not survive long. However, there is wisdom available to us that is intelligent, moral, constructive, and eternal. I discussed this in my message today, Living God's Wisdom in a Foolish Age, from Luke 6, verses 20 to 49. Father God, I thank you so much for this chance to preach to the people of the earth Lord. Oh, Lord God, I pray that you'll provide what each person needs, Father, in this area, Lord God, through the ministry of the Holy Ghost. We pray for salvation, sanctification, and the filling of the Holy Spirit. Thank you, Lord God, for this time. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, our passage in Luke 6 comes first from the Sermon on the Mount, perhaps the most famous spiritual message in all of history. This is Jesus speaking throughout our passage today. We start with verses 20 and 21. Blessed are you poor, for yours is the kingdom of God. Blessed are you who hunger now, for you shall be filled. Blessed are you who weep now, for you shall laugh. These are part of the Beatitudes, uh, those that shift our viewpoint from ourselves and today to eternity and God. Jesus talks of the poor in spirit. These are people who aren't necessarily poor as far as wealth, but they realize that they need God to be complete. He made our spiritual nature, knitting together our soul. He also made the process whereby we get our physical bodies in procreation, and so he's responsible for every cell of our nature. These people are living in the truth, and because their peace is none of this world, Their reliance on the Lord causes them to rise above today's foolishness and delusions. Those who weep and hunger now see a globe of sin and sickness and strife and desire one of joy and love and purity. They live in faith knowing that earth today is not their home, but they're looking ahead to a permanent, unshakable God ruling this planet in its perfected nature. And the millennial kingdom, of course, be with him forever in the new Jerusalem. Praise God. Luke 6, verses 22 and 23 say, Blessed are you when men hate you, and when they exclude you, and revile you, and cast out your name as evil for the Son of Man's sake. Rejoice in that day and leap for joy, for indeed your reward is great in heaven, for in like manner their fathers did. To the prophets. Jesus Christ, the Son of Man and the Son of God, has never been truly popular. 
Most of society likes to caricature him, either as a cute little baby or as a limp-wristed kind of milk-toast dinner speaker who affirms people in their sins and never corrects anyone. Well, he has not been an infant for over 60 generations at this point, and our Lord never patted on the back and affirmed anyone in their wickedness. That's why most men have hated him. The temple leaders excluded him. The government cast him out of Jerusalem onto that hill of a skull, Golgotha, to be crucified. But those of us who realize that Jesus was and is right about humanity having no hope except for him in salvation, we will be popular where it counts, heaven, the new Jerusalem, and the perfected earth of Jesus' millennial kingdom, where he will reign for a thousand years. You want to see the demonic equivalent? Well, not only Antichrist coming, but Hitler already having gone. He said that he would rule a thousand years. He made it for 12 and died by suicide. When we follow Christ seriously and faithfully, we will fall out of favor with the vast majority of society. Narrow is the way that leads to life, and few find it, Jesus said in Matthew 7, 13 to 14. But wide is the path that leads to destruction, and many go thereby. That is why there are rebellions in church against those who preach and teach the unadulterated gospel. Firings of excellent workers who proclaim that Jesus is Lord, and murders of the born again refusing to bow their knee to the false gods of today. Not only self, not only other people, but also Islam, Buddhism, secular humanism, and the occult, all of which are on the rise in the United States. The Jews often murdered their greatest prophets, just like we do today. For example, Isaiah. He wrote 66 chapters of what may be the most exciting book of all time in the Old Testament. But yet he was sawn in two, hiding in a tree from a wicked king. That is how so many of us, unfortunately, in this last day, end up. Martyrs for the faith. Do you know that the word martyr, which means somebody who dies for their beliefs, that comes from the original word for witness in the Greek language of the New Testament? It is a high compliment, though, to be hated by the wicked, despised by the deceived, and persecuted for doing properly. Verses 24 to 25 of Luke 6, Jesus says, But woe to you who are rich! For you have received your consolation. Woe to you who are full, for you shall hunger. Woe to you who laugh now, for you shall mourn and weep. Our societies rich frequently oppress us. They manipulate the markets. They have friends high in government. And they'll do whatever is necessary to keep expanding their power, their influence, their money. For example, celebrities spawn all over communist China. So their movies and merchandise will sell rapidly and well. Never mind the slave workers who have to go day and night to be able to get out that product. Uh, no matter the people who are tortured to death for opposing such a slavish life. No matter all of these. Indeed, these celebrities have their reward. All of it on earth and none of it in heaven. The powerful think about that anybody would have morals that, that perhaps would clash with gaining money and influence and control. But should they survive 
the cruel reign of Antichrist, they will face the judge of everything and everyone, Jesus Christ, and they will be cast as far from him as east is from the west, as never the twain shall meet. Luke 6, 26 says, Woe to you when all men speak well of you, for so did their fathers to the false prophets. Do you recall when Israel's king Ahab desired to go to war against Aramea? And he gathered 400 false prophets who all said to a man, Oh, go up and pursue a God will surely give it to you. But Ahab was alive with the far more godly King Jehoshaphat of Judah, who inquired, Is there anybody else who can speak to this issue? Knowing there was something spiritually askew with these 400. And Ahab responded, Oh, there is one more, but I hate him, for he never prophesies good about me, but only evil. <laughs> well, if you read through 2 Chronicles 18, you will find that that lone true prophet Micaiah told Ahab that he was going to fight and die. And though the wicked king shut him up, fed him the water and bread of afflictions, Micaiah was proven right. For Ahab died against all odds. He had Jehoshaphat dressed up in his regal color so everybody would think that that's Ahab. <laughs> and Jehoshaphat got out of battle real fast with that. But Ahab was struck between joints in his armor, around the back of the arm and the shoulder, and he died at his chariot. <laughs> Never lie to be able to make people happy or try to appease unreasonable folks, or you make them your gods in so doing. Luke 6, verses 27 to 31. But I say to you who hear, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you, and pray for those who spitefully use you. To him who strikes you on the one cheek, offer the other also. And from him who takes away your cloak, do not withhold your tunic either. Give to everyone who asks of you. And from him who takes away your goods, do not ask them back. And just as you want men to do to you, you also do to them likewise. Boy, a tougher paragraph may never have been spoken in the scripture. Christ, though, is not trying to make us doormats. Rather, he wants to drive home that we who follow him need to be not after self, but a greater purpose, the salvation of the lost and the witness of God Almighty. I've been hated by some folks who pose as Christians, and I pray for their souls, even as I've had to rebuke them. The devil wants us to hate people back, stoop to the level of his own brood, and look after ourselves alone, only our best interests, so to speak. But you see, God looks out for the interests of those who do his will, and he does a much better job for them than they could do for themselves. Luke 6, 32-36, our Lord Jesus says, But if you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? For even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good to those who do good to you, what credit is that to you? For even sinners do the same. And if you lend to those from whom you hope to receive back, what credit is that to you? Or even sinners lend to sinners to receive as much back. But love your enemies, do good and lend, hoping for nothing in return. 
and your reward will be great, and you will be sons of the Most High, for he is kind to the unthankful and evil. Therefore, be merciful, just as your Father also is merciful. Hmm. My very first bumper sticker in the Christian life was, I love my enemies. <laughs> and that attracted quite a bit of attention at the place where I worked, which was a uh, very ungodly radio station. They even had an overnight program uh, where the guys who did it would leave 666 uh, printed up on the wall. I'm not sure what they were sacrificing in there, but it sure wasn't giving any money for a time to the Lord. Jesus describes here what our world calls love, supporting everyone and everything they do even if it's going to end up destroying them. Pretending our friends have no flaws and our enemies have nothing but flaws. All we do is to be self-serving. But you see, when we serve nothing but self, we have nothing of Christ who made himself of no reputation and no earthly means to seek and to save the lost. I remember some televangelist some years back said, oh, you know, Jesus, he had desired clothes. Those were real. Well, they were something, enough, I guess, for the soldiers to gamble for his one tunic when he was crucified. But we also know that all that Jesus and the twelve had was gathered in a money basket that was kept by Judas, the traitor, and he used to steal out of it. I'm sure that people were overwhelming Jesus with money, just like not too many ministries, the cars are being overwhelmed with cash today. No, 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 he didn't have desired clothes, but he was the great designer of the capital B. Luke 6, 37 to 38 might be fairly familiar to you. Jesus says, judge not, and you shall not be judged. Condemn not, and you shall not be condemned. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. Give, and it will be given to you. Good measure, press down, shake them together. And running over will be put into your bosom. For with the same measure that you use, it will be measured back to you. And the image here, this pressed down, shaking together, running over, this is of the sacks of grain and other kinds of crops that would be filled up, that would be taken to market, and would be sold. We still have this in some of our farthest flung areas of the nation and the world where people are still gathering by hand. What happens if you just dump a bunch of stuff in there is you find that the corners don't get filled in. If you find that you don't use all of the different material that you could to get all the way to the top. So what you're going to do is keep pushing it down so that it is compressed together and all parts of that bag get filled out tightly. That is the kind of God that we have when we follow him, when we obey him, when we make him Lord of all in our lives realizing that he truly is Lord of all, and he's going to show it on a day very soon. Now, verse 37, judge not, you shall not be judged, is not saying that we can't say a single thing in the world that is wrong or immoral. Jesus himself, in this very teaching, makes distinctions of that sort. What he is saying is do not pass final judgment on people. Give them a chance. Don't hate them, but for I'm always interested to see what is trending on Twitter, making a number of tweets there myself. We use my main account, several thousand followers. And I noticed that forgiveness is one that often 
cringe these days. Why is that? Because I think people inside know that without being forgiven, there is something missing in them. Something is not complete. Basically, when we come to the Lord Jesus Christ and ask his forgiveness for what we've done, he covers that multitude of sins, doesn't he? Verse 38, a famous one here, the press down shaking together running over, stresses the underlying thought that prevails in both verses. Be humble, be kind, bless others, and you will be blessed. My God, he has a cattle on a thousand hills. We're, we're in the middle of cattle country, so that's pretty impressive. That's going to be quite a few acres and, and quite a few uh, folks that are going to be able to get hamburgers out of batter steaks, right? <laughs> Try not to read in motives or make a sweeping statement about someone. Every thought and work is going to be brought into focus by Almighty God and a decision rendered upon it by he who redeemed the entire world through his life, death, and resurrection, Jesus Christ. He will pass judgment on everyone and everything in this world. Luke 6, 39-42, and he, Jesus, spoke a parable to them. Can the blind lead the blind? Will they not both fall into the ditch? A disciple is not above his teacher, but everyone who is perfectly trained will be like his teacher. And why do you look at the speck in your brother's eye, but do not perceive the plank in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, brother, let me remove the speck that is in your eye? But you yourself do not see the plank that is in your own eye. Hypocrite. First remove the plank from your own eye, then you will see clearly to remove the speck that is in your brother's eye. My goodness, have we ever seen so much hypocrisy in all of history than what we have now? We have people accusing others falsely of the very things that they themselves are doing. That's speaking lies and hypocrisy. As Paul wrote to Timothy eons ago, Jesus says, my followers are to remember that they have flaws and faults, considering their own shortcomings, even as they speak the truth in love to someone else. Too often, the very few people these days who have the guts to speak correction to someone face to face, instead of going around them, as the Bible warns against, or going on social media about someone they've never met before, <laughs> they would berate the person, portraying themselves as flawless, as superior in nature. Well, as Paul says in Galatians 6.1, Brethren, if a man is overtaken in any trespass, you who are spiritual, restore such a one in a spirit of gentleness, considering yourself, lest you also be tempted. He's saying, look, anybody can sin. Anybody can fall. Go to that person who says that they are a Christian, that person from church, maybe that person who seems to be walking away from the Lord, and, and confront them about it, gently, humbly, but directly. And do it in such a sense that it's going to be okay if you said someday for you to be restored similarly. The idea of confrontation should always be restoration of relationship. When we go around and under and over people, when we don't go directly to them to try to settle a matter, we disrespect them and we blaspheme Almighty God's thing as we are all made by one God. Not all of us belong to one God right now, but all of us are made by one God. We need to follow him in our relationships, even though 
Sometimes folks get a little nervous about going directly to someone. Wouldn't it be more wonderful for you to gain your brother or sister, as Jesus says in Matthew 18, by going to them directly and quietly, rather than spreading all kinds of rumors, all kinds of evil falsities about them, and then finding out that you lied about them all over town, all over the nation, all over the internet? Most people don't even care about it anymore. They have so little regard for their fellow human beings. Well, friend, they're not going to get much regard from God. They're going to be begging Antichrist for his mark so they can buy and sell. I pray, though, that they will come to Christ, and that's the purpose of this broadcast, to come to Jesus so that he'll forgive. You'll be able to miss the worst week of years, the worst seven years in the history of the world, as Jesus Christ himself said. And then also, miss hell and go to heaven. As well, eternity. Verses 43 to 46 of Luke's section, our Lord Jesus says, For a good tree does not bear bad fruit, nor does a bad tree bear good fruit. For every tree is known by its own fruit. For men do not gather figs from thorns, nor do they gather grapes from a bramble bush. A good man out of the good treasure of his heart brings forth good, and an evil man out of the evil treasure of his heart brings forth evil. For out of the abundance of the heart the mouth speaks. But why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do the things which I say? Our Lord says that we are of him. We may sin, but we will come back to him. We ultimately will do what he says. One offense does not a plunge from heaven to hell make. Likewise, if someone is not really of Christ, they'll be found out eventually. All folks can put up a good front for a while, but not 100% of the time. Uh, what's going in is going to come out, no matter what name is going on. They're going to betray themselves in what they say, what they do, where they go, what they like, where they spend their money, and all the rest of it. Do you know? The average Christian in this country gives only 1.3% uh, of his income to the church. That is one-eighth of a tithe. You would have to get eight times as much to actually have a genuine biblical tithe, which is in the New Testament as well as in the New Testament. Oh, my. We're doing better than the world, but they're under 1%. percent they not very well. And to conclude, Luke 6, verses 47 to 49. Whoever comes to me and hears my sayings and does them, I will show you whom he is like. He is like a man building a house who dug deep and laid the foundation on the rock. And when the flood arose, the stream beat vehemently against that house and could not shake it, for it was founded on the rock. But he who heard and did nothing is like a man who built a house on the earth without a foundation, against which the stream beat vehemently. And immediately it fell. And the ruin of that house was great. Christ tells us the way to live. How do we interact with others? What to value? Because if we take heed, we will stand firmly in our faith. While others fall with the world. A big mistake is the modern church pretending that there is no difference between the saved and the unsaved. There should be major differences in our lives, witness, treatment of others, and what we value. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 3.11, No other foundation 
can anyone lay than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ, out of that cornerstone. The builders rejected, but it crushed them. Did it not? As was prophesied in the Old Testament. Ah, but it is that rock that we build our lives on for those of us who have responded to God's call to repent, to trust Jesus, and to follow him. Faith is not just mental, my friend. Faith is also doing. It is making choices, putting God first, living for forever, and not just today. We've had this mantra of Jesus plus nothing is salvation. uh, Faith is the whole of my life in Christ. Well, faith, if it is lived out, is the whole of your life in Christ. But living it out means you speak, and you do, and you go, and you testify, and you give. And you put yourself in difficult and uncomfortable circumstances sometimes because the Lord Jesus desires. In the terms of this parable of our Lord's, we in the USA and world today are facing mighty floodwaters. The devil's trying to beat down our spiritual defenses, getting people to compromise their faith, morals, and their college. Like the house that was built on earth without a foundation, society is falling fast. Our country is a living contradiction in so many ways as to be ludicrous. We won't let somebody come in from a foreign country with a visa to be able to play at a tennis tournament, but we'll allow two million people to cross a thousand miles of open border without any papers. We accuse others of disrespecting the Constitution that we undermine at every turn, and we violate a dozen or more ways daily. We quote Jesus about not judging, then we judge people we've never even met by color, political party, gender, or wealth, thereby making ourselves hypocrites against whom Jesus Christ railed 20 times in the Gospels alone. My friend, America is about to fall along with the rest of the world, as has been prophesied from the beginning of this age. It's time to secure our foundation in Jesus Christ that we would not become the judgment and the unbelievers. Oh, my goodness. Wouldn't it be such a horrible thing if we were to have said all our lives, oh, I'm a Christian. But yet, we give away our testimony, and we decide that we are going to go to Antichrist for a morsel of bread. My friends, we've got to stand strong at this moment of time. We don't want to be numbered with those unbelievers. We've got to redouble our emphasis, our stress, our reliance, our foundation in Jesus Christ. When the world pounds on you, you've got two choices. One is to go along with it which probably is going to be convenient for a while, but it will end in your death and destruction. Or you can stand against it and decide what you really believe. And in that, you may have some inconvenience for right now, but you will be eternally right with God, and you will be with him forever. Some takeaways today. American and world society are now almost fully against God. American and world society now are almost fully against God. The real true Jesus has never been very popular, but today people increasingly see him and his own as the enemy. Friends, we got to keep testifying. 
These very people who hate us are going to be in hell and never be able to escape. They will burn. They'll be in torment. They have no hope and no future forever. We're not talking about the four years of an administration. We're not talking about a decade. We're not talking about a generation. We're talking about eons and eons, all the way back to the dinosaurs and forevermore. We've got to be tough. We've got to be strong. We've got to be courageous by the Spirit of Jesus. Number two, those who enjoy today's immorality will be condemned eternally. And we who despise this evil will be blessed for eternity with God. Those who enjoy today's immorality will be condemned eternally. And we who despise this evil will be blessed in eternity with God. As I recently preached from James 4.4, friendship with the world is enmity, hatred with God. Yes, we reach out to this world, to the unsaved people. And we say there is hope. There is a way that you can be saved. And that is through humbling yourself, accepting and following Jesus Christ. But we don't pursue their ways. We don't go after what they do. We go after eternity with God. We try to bring as many along as we can. And we say the way that you're going is going to lead to your destruction forever. And it's never going to end. The worm doesn't die and the fire is not quenched. Friend, get saved in Jesus. Now, unfortunately, too many people say, I'll save myself. We can't. Number three, Christ tells his followers to love their enemies by praying for them, correcting them humbly, and refusing to stoop to their adversaries' level. Christ tells his followers to love their enemies by praying for them, correcting them humbly, and refusing to stoop to their enemies' level. As the Lord frequently reminds me, let them hate me, not you. When those people are burning for eternity in hell, They'll remember that it was God that they opposed. They'll be consumed with enmity for God, not for us. We are the representatives of the master. We are not the master himself. But the master, surely, will back up his faithful servant. Number four, believers must keep in mind that Jesus is the judge. And only he knows every motivation, sin, and shame. Believers must keep in mind that Jesus is the judge, and only he knows every motivation, sin, and shame. We can't judge someone's inner self. We can't read motives. We can, however, see with our own eyes and realize, as Proverbs says, a child is known by his doing. If someone blasphemes God, they're not saved. If someone makes a lifestyle of lying, cheating, and stealing and undermining the gospel, they're not saved. Can somebody make a mistake every so often? Yes. Can they repent of it? Still be saved? Absolutely. And, you know, 70 times 7 and infinity, as Jesus would say. But my friends are not going to persist in this evil. Yet we need to give everybody every break we can. And we need to not assume anything falsely. Number five, if we look out for others, then God will look out for us. If we look out for others, then God will look out for us. <laughs> he will do far better for us than we can do for ourselves. Number six, today we must be careful to build on the foundation of Christ and avoid the world's hastily built lean-tos of hatred, arrogance, and fear. Today we must be careful to build on the foundation of Jesus Christ 
and avoid the world's hastily built lean-tos of hatred, arrogance, and fear. That may seem counterintuitive, but the more we choose God's way over the globes, the more we'll be blessed forever, and the more quickly evil will be exposed and defeated, and indeed, maybe, more people saved. Number seven. Remember that Jesus condemned hypocrites 20 times in the Gospels, and society is full of hypocrisy. Remember, Jesus condemned hypocrites 20 times, and society is full of hypocrisy. That, that tells you where society is going, does it not? America and the world are about to fall. Out of the chaos will emerge a dictator who promises order, food, and shelter in exchange for your souls. This man is Antichrist. I believe he's alive today. I believe he has been a world leader. I'm not going to say anything more than that, but I'll tell you. He's coming. I want to challenge you today. Are you going to compromise with the world? Go along to get along with this evil ways? Or are you going to stand up for Jesus? Come what may. You've got to make a choice. To not make a choice for Christ is to go to hell eternally. That's what the Bible says. That's not my rationale. That's not my preferred logic. That's not my statement. That's Jesus's statement. Keep your dignity and testimony in Jesus Christ at all costs. Refuse to bow to this devilish society that hates right and crusades for wrong. Today's success is an eternity failure. And this era's failure is eternal success with God. When you try to appease the unreasonable and the unholy, then you make them your God. Friend, you could be saved today, though. You could be as saved as me. We've just got four aspects of salvation. Number one, repent of your sin. Every last one of us, including me, has sinned against God. We have committed ones and we have omitted what we should have done. Ask God for forgiveness, and he surely shall forgive you. Number two, confess faith in Jesus Christ. He was the only one who lived sinlessly in this globe. We killed him for and he was resurrected again. We must tell others as well as stand in faith in Christ and nothing else. We also need to believe that Jesus Christ defeated death, hell, and the grave. By rising in body and spirit that third day in the tomb. If his body and spirit aren't resurrected, ours are not. And you realize that the people in hell, they have had resurrected bodies, but they're being resurrected to damnation. While we who believe in Christ, who follow Christ, who are the saved, we are resurrected unto life. Finally, we need to follow Jesus Christ as Lord and as Savior. We will not do it perfectly. God, though, grades on a pass fail and not on a curve. Are we going to stay with him? Yes, maybe we get off for a little bit. Maybe we have a sitting there, but we repent on it. And the Holy Spirit helps us get back up and keep heading toward the cross again with Jesus Christ. Jesus said in Mark 9, 23, pick up your cross daily and follow me. Daily. It's not just a one-time prayer. Though I'm going to lead you in a prayer in a moment, and you can begin your journey into Jesus that way. My friends, we are saved by the relationship that we have with Jesus Christ. Do you have a true relationship with your wife if you just have a marriage ceremony and you never see each other again? No, you really don't. 
Friends, it's the same thing with God. We need to have the ceremony. We need to have the prayer. But then we need to continue on one step after the other, all the way to forever. I'm going to lead you now in a prayer to accept Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, to repent of sins, to begin the journey into Jesus. You can repeat it after me if you believe what I'm saying. Then this will be your repentance, and you will be able to walk into the kingdom of God. Just keep on pressing into Jesus for some of these discipleship steps. I'll share in a moment. I'll see you in heaven pretty soon. Let's go to our Father in prayer. Father God, I repent of my sin. Please forgive me. I confess faith in Jesus Christ dying for my sin. I believe he rose the third day of the in body and spirit. I will follow him as Lord and Savior, repenting should I fall. Come into my heart, Lord God, and Savior. In Jesus' name, amen. And so it is. And so that journey is only steps. And then we try to think begins right here, right now. With one. It is real. It's not that you have to feel something. It's not that you have to do something. It's not that, not that you have to look differently or anything else. It's that you've made a commitment to God and now pursue Him. He says, Abide in me, and I'll abide in you, and you will. Bear much fruit, love, joy, peace, patience, love, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control, the fruit of the Spirit. That's how God judges. Have you been a good producer of fruit? What you need to do after you're saved, first get baptized in water, my friend, to be immersed, because that's how it was done in the Bible. Jesus said that you need to be baptized. He himself was, and he was the only person who didn't have to be. Why? It's a public profession of faith. Acknowledging that you have turned from your sins and turned to the living God. Secondly, read the Bible. Possess the land of Christ. All the 7,500 promises that God has made to you in that work by reading and knowing about them. How do we then get those? Well, not through effort, not through trying to gin ourselves up somehow, but by praying by ourselves and with others. That's an important third point. As far as our disciplines and steps of discipleship, pray. We can pray with another very easily at church. <laughs> That's why we should come to services. We also need to be used to the Lord. We all have spiritual gifts. There are plenty of them mentioned in the New Testament. I don't know that that was meant to be a complete list, but at least we know all those who we are. Things like administration, things like evangelism, uh, things like uh, preaching and teaching. Uh, yeah, there's tongues in there, interpretation, and there's also the word of wisdom and the word of knowledge. Oh, my goodness. The Lord God is so good. He's got something for all of us to serve. We also need to fellowship with other believers outside of that hour or so a week that we all come together. Yes, we go to Bible study, too, but let's also take some time outside of the church. Let's take time to get to know each other. This is what Jesus did with these 12 disciples. For three and a half years as he walked in the Holy Land. They were together about all the time. Jesus lived in the same town as most of them. These folks 
were together night and day. They walked together. They went to different provinces, all of these things. That was common in those days. Today, we got teachers who don't even want to be with kids with the COVID, and frankly, a lot of times otherwise. That's a whole different message, but we've got to be together to be that fighting force that storms the gates of hell, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against my church, Jesus promised in Matthew 16, 18. But we've got to go up against it to be able to possess it. And finally, we pursue personal relationship with God. He knows us intimately. We have been knitted together. And so we have had him make Adam and Eve first people so that our very bodies could be produced. He's accounted for every cell in our being. We need to start to get to know him. I'll tell you, I had such a wonderful, wonderful peace this morning. So many days, the enemy tries to get me worried first thing. I'm thinking about this, I'm thinking about that. I've learned to realize that that's the enemy. And so I don't let it bother me and I get right into prayer. It's a way that God has allowed sometimes so that I'll be driven to do his, uh, be fellowshipping with him first thing in the day. Today it didn't happen. Today none of it. Today this is the greatest peace. Waking up. No concerns at all. The Lord had put in my mind for a long time, John 6, 20 and 21. And, and in that, Jesus is coming to the disciples on the lake. The waves are high. They are rolling and rolling and rolling and getting almost nowhere. So he finishes praying and he starts walking on the water towards them. They're scared at first. They think it's a ghost. But then they realize it's the Lord Jesus. And then in John 6, 20, Jesus says, it is I. Be not afraid. Then verse 21 says they accepted him into the boat and immediately they were at the land where they were headed. I just immediately got to the land where I was headed. That is peace in every way in Jesus Christ. As asking him to come in, it's abiding with him, it's pursuing him, it's relationship. You can have perfect peace even as the world falls in. In fact, that's the best kind of witness for God that you could possibly have. It's better than God gave me a billion dollars. It's better than God gave me this beautiful wife. It's better than God gave me a wonderful child. You have peace when all of the world is in tumult. <laughs> ah, yes. In this world, you shall have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world, Jesus Christ says in John 16, 33. And we who are with him, we who trust him, we who live for him, we have overcome the world as well. Praise God in the name of Jesus. We at Eternity Now appreciate your listening to this program. For more, including links to all our broadcasts and social media, go to www.eternitynow.com, E-T-E-R-N-I-T-Y-N-O-W.com. We have over a hundred videos on YouTube, and you can watch our services live there as well as Facebook, Twitter, and more. On our website, you also can email me, Pastor Kyle Huckins, and I'll respond personally. I welcome your prayer requests, questions, and comments. Again, that's eternitynow.com. May God bless you and keep you, cause his face to shine upon you, and give you peace. I'm gonna shout.